Hi, Jonathan Williams back again at the Bricks and Mortar podcast. Bricks and Mortar podcast, well, that's a podcast about property, buying, selling, renting, or investing in property. I'm sure we're going to have something in the next hour, hour and 10 minutes that floats your boat and lights that candle. An hour, an hour and 10 minutes, we've got an interview show. Haven't done an interview show since we interviewed Ross McLeod, who was running uh, McLeod Lettings. We're still ploughing the furrow of the Lettings world. So many changes in the Lettings world. And this week, what we're going to do is we're going to sit down with Mark Shanta of Shanta Lettings. He's got a great story. Starts off with accountancy, moves on to poker. Then he gets into flipping properties and then finally lands up setting up Shanta Lettings. Great story. Sit back and enjoy. Hi, Jonathan Williams here at the Bricks and Mortar podcast. Um, I've got uh, Mark Shanta with me and he'll know things about rake, bake, float, bow donkey, raw business, sesh, Euro lagtards, fake think, and free roll. And he's smiling at me, and the reason why he knows that is because he has been a poker nut. He'll tell you a little bit more about his journey in property, which started out as an accountant, a trainee accountant. He jacked that in to go and play poker for a living, jacked that in to get into property, and now he's doing the lettings. How are you doing? Very well, thanks Jonathan, thanks for having me. I tell you what, that is some journey, um, poker, I mean, surely when you decided to get into accountancy and you were going to see two or three years as an accountant doing your training and then you've got your badges and you can pretty much go and do anything and everything, but you then decide, no, I'm just going to jack that in and do the poker. Yeah, it, it was never it was never my plan. Um, just a bit of background. I went to university. I'm from here originally. Yeah. And came up to Glasgow to study accounting and finance at Strathclyde when I was I think it was seventeen turning eighteen, and the degree was accounting finance. Yeah. I, um, after four years, and I, I ended up passing that and getting a two one, and then going to start. I, grad job with Deloitte, one of the big four accounting firms, um, and it was right about the time that the online poker boom hit, hit. Yeah, yeah. and um, I just, it fascinated me. Poker. And had you played any cards before? Yeah, the, yeah. yeah quite a lot, we, we always used to play during school, friends used to have a poker night, right, right. It, was, it was always just for a laugh, you know, uh-huh. we, we would go around somebody's house, or we'd play at our halls, or our, uni, our student flats. We sit around the table and play, and then it became what it really boomed online, and it's something that I thought, well, you know, I could get into this, and I started reading about it, reading up on theory about it, reading up on forums, just almost treating it like a university subject. A degree, almost, yeah, 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 and it just fascinated me because it's a game of skill, it's a game of of luck as well. Uh-huh. There's obviously the element of gambling in it and being able to make money and I just figured it's something that I could do and I could do well and I just 
I read up on it and then I started playing and then the year before I went to start my grad job yeah. with Deloitte I won a, it was a hundred dollars the tournament and yeah. it, the dollars was to enter into uh, to get you into the World Series of Poker main event in Las Vegas Okay. and somehow because it was right at the start I didn't really know much about what I was doing poker wise uh-huh. I won that tournament, so I turned my hundred dollars into a fourteen thousand dollar package to take me to play it in Las Vegas in the World Series of wow. Poker main event, and that was when I was twenty. I was twenty one in between the years. So you ended up going over to Las Vegas I, to play the tables there. Yeah, I to play in the big tournament, and it was seven, there were seven thousand people in that tournament, and I came a hundred and second, and the return from that was fifty two and a half thousand dollars. And there's no you being an accountant or a accountant, there's no tax to pay on that no, or, on no, winnings? No, you don't no. pay tax. In the, in the United Kingdom, you don't pay tax yes. on uh, gambling. Right. Um, that, that's just the way it's the same. Uh-huh. If the tax is paid at source. Yes. So if you go and put a football coupon on and you win £10 or whatever, you don't pay tax on that. Yeah. Ladbrokes or William Hill, they're taxed at source when the bet's gotcha. put on. Okay. So I came back that summer with... Um, Fifty-two thousand dollars, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I was a student. And yeah, I went. Away, I went away to to Vegas, which was the first time for me doing that. And uh-huh. I came back and I had that money, and that was the money that got me started with poker. So I was able to deposit some of that online, and then from that, I just started playing. And then, and how often were you? How often were you playing? Um, it just depended because when I was at. When I was studying, not often. Uh-huh. Um, when I when we were in the period between the start and my my grad job, yeah, I was playing more or less, you know, every day, kind of treating it like a job. So nevertheless, I started my job at Deloitte, and I was I was out working. I was auditing, so I was auditing like um, we were out at Scottish Power, and uh-huh. the days were quite long as oh, all God, sort yeah. of because uh-huh. uh, auditing you speak to accountants. Auditing, you either are an auditor or you're not. And yeah. people who don't, and so suppose when you're a trainee and you don't know anything about auditing, if you hate auditing, you still got to do it. it must be absolute. Not all, the, not all the jobs <laughs> are fun, and it, no. uh, they were long days. But I was still coming back at night, and I was playing. I was, you know. I played football in the evenings, so I was training a couple of nights a week, and then the odd nights I was just sitting down and playing some and poker play. for fun, and I was doing actually doing a lot better at that. <laughs> I was earning more in those couple of hours every few nights than I was wow. at Deloitte, and I thought, you know what? If I actually did this full time, I could do, I can make it, you know, a good living out uh-huh. of it and get started on something in the bigger picture in the bigger and picture was, did Deloitte's know that you were doing any of this or this when you decided listen here's yeah it, I, well because, yes they did because basically the, the summer previously when I'd um, gone and won, came, won that yeah, yeah, summer in, in Vegas, Vegas yeah. it, you know it was it was daft but it was in like it was in the it was in the front page of the Ayrshire Post and it can't was on, really do anything it was on like, I know the circulation of the Ayrshire Post <laughs> yeah, isn't great but no. even, even still <laughs> it didn't reach Glasgow but it was in the, it was in the sun as well oh was and it right yeah, so right I, so you were a celebrity was, not, not really do you know what it's like that, I guess they were the times before Facebook really exa- I don't even think I was on Facebook or anything right. it might have been Bebo at the time or something uh-huh, like that uh-huh. but yeah nice that place. was um, 
So yeah, people knew that that's was it. So uh-huh. one day I just I thought about it. I spoke to my partner about it. I spoke to my mum about mum and dad because mum and dad they obviously supported me through university. You yeah. know, so like, although I worked um, part time, they were paying my accommodation and stuff uh-huh. like that. And uh, I was just like, well. Thanks for putting me through the university. I'm uh-huh. leaving the. You're doing what? Job, job, exactly <laughs> to go and do this. So I just had that was it. I went and resigned, and I just took it from there. And, and what they, did they say? Did they say, "Listen, you're off"? Wish you're... me all the best. Did they? They really did. They right. wished me all the best. They. Um, they not think much of you as an accountant. They might have wanted me out the door, <laughs> but no. The, the partner, um, I, I remember speaking. He probably with him. He wanted just, to. He just wish what he, he did. He just wished me all the best and. Um, that and that was it. So, and how old was the partner then? Had he been there? You know, I would guess man and boy. Yeah, I would have been guessing he'd. He was in the early forties. Yeah, and he'd been in there since yeah. he was a graduate. Uh-huh. So. so he's been in so far that he's realised now that you know what he would love to have done something like that. But now he's got a mortgage. He's got kids probably at a private school. Yeah. He's got this, that, and the next thing, and he just cannot well. do that. Whereas you. I've just thought, well, you know what, this isn't for me. I want to make a go of it. And ultimately, if you don't make a go of it, you'd still be able to go back and, and, and I presume, yes. pick, pick another job somewhere. up or somewhere because, else. Because, I, yeah, at the end of the day, I had my, had my degree. I'd done my internship this summer before. and Everything that was basically my, my career path was kind of mapped out. You, know, yeah, you go yeah. to uni, you do the internship, you get your degree, you start your grad job, and then maybe that could have been me in 20 years sitting in his yeah, 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 chair. Yeah. But it just wasn't It wasn't the lifestyle or the, the life that I wanted But you have. must have then decided to make a decision quite early that a nine-to-five was never going to be for you and the entrepreneurial was more the way you wanted to go down. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And it wasn't... Did you always know that, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean it wasn't even... A nine to five. It's no, like, that's true. It, you know, it it really was like an eight to eight. Uh-huh. You know, and it, it's, at the end of the day, it's just I, I I kind of foresaw the the road, and I just like, well, I don't think this will ever suit me. And uh-huh. here's something that I can do that I'm good at. Yeah, that it gives me an opportunity to actually try and build something and build. Okay. So you played the tables. You obviously get. Um, a bit of a name for yourself you're playing with similar people um, and somebody turns around or, or you've got this amount of cash so when did you decide you know what let's do something with that well, let's try property yeah I mean the day to day stuff of poker we were playing it was all online you know like yeah. that was that was basically you could do it from the comfort of your own home with the internet connection every um, three or four months I would go away and play a live tournament as right. well um, but the the decision to move into property was it was just it was I was kind of I was building up what you call a bankroll mm-hmm. um, and it was just kind of like it was it was like on it was just like an online figure you know it was just like you're building up a, a certain amount of cash and it's just all numbers and yeah. you're like it's well, not material you can't touch it exactly and I'm just like well I've always been interested in, in property so I'll, I'll, I'll look t- 
to invest uh-huh. and I looked to invest and this was back in 2007 2008 post or pre crash pre pre right yeah. okay so you're paying potential top dollar potential top dollar and then I went to apply yeah it definitely was pre because I went to apply for a, a mortgage to buy my first buy to let place uh-huh. and I remember at the time it was 95% mortgage what's your occupation Poker player. <laughs> Seriously, that's what you put down. Poker player. What's your income? I put down a, a, a variable, an estimate of my income, what it would be for the year. Was able to self certify it and no, get a mortgage. That's frightening. And then, uh-huh. like, nobody with given those parameters can be surprised that there was a crash if you're getting mortgages Absolutely. that <laughs> easily. And then, did you have a property before that? We were living in a, you, a rented property. So you hadn't even bought. No. So the first time you bought a property was for a buy-to-let, for a buy-to-let. which is now on impossible to do now because yeah. they obviously need to see you've got a track record. But back there, I mean, it was the Wild West. Yeah, I know. And we, um, that was, so we were living in a rental property and we bought one, oh, I say we because it was myself and like, it was my girlfriend who's now my wife, right. uh, Gail. So we were living in a rental property and we bought a bike which was in the street down. Right, so quite close. Quite close. Was that, in did you decide that you wanted to whereabouts in Dennis? It was in Finlay Drive. <laughs> Finlay Drive? Yeah. I bought my first flat in Finlay Drive. Did you really? I wonder if you bought it off me. <laughs> 1992, so this would have been a long oh, so time ago. Yeah, yeah. Mine was one of the uh, modern builds. Ah, so you would have been right. in the So you would have been further down yeah. next to the supermarket or exactly. where the old yeah. supermarket we're used to be. We're all the new flights. Yeah, yeah, and, right. So we were 80 Finlay Drive. We were 15. Right. And okay. uh, yeah, flat posi- I remember flat position five stroke one. And, and I, it didn't turn out to be a disaster. No, it was a good renter. Yeah, we paid. I mean, just given that, I guess looking back, how green I, I, I uh-huh. was at the time, it's like. I went in, we paid 100000 for it. You bought off plan then, or, or you no, were the no, first owner? We, we, we were the second, second owner. It had okay. actually been a repossession. And okay, right. Then we, yeah, advertised it, did, did, up, did it up, advertised it and rented it out. And how confident were you? Because, I mean, obviously I've got flats, and one of the things that I was always concerned with, and I think probably everybody is concerned with at the start of that journey, is who the hell is going to rent this? And it's a leap of faith. But then once you've done it once, you suddenly think, oh, I haven't had to been doing, I should have been doing this 10 years ago. It's huge, huge demand. Uh-huh. And even like looking at things and the way things are now. Yes. If we if we were picking up a property in one of the popular areas, like Deniston, like Shawland, mm-hmm. like I'm saying popular, but the more affordable areas, yeah. obviously city centre, West End, Finiston they're more expensive mm-hmm. they're slightly less demand because it's the higher end but yeah. if we're picking up a two bedroom or one bedroom flat in Shawland Dennis and Battlefield the demand for it is out, out they're just, almost queuing they are yeah. but then back in the day though when you've not got that experience where how concerned were you or were you just thought well, what can go wrong well I, I, my mindset at the time was We've got so many friends in and around Deniston. We live there ourselves and rent there ourselves. Uh huh. <laughs> like, surely there must surely be other there, people like us. Yes, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. So we're just so that was that was it at the time, and um and yeah, found a tenant straightforward, mm-hmm. found found a lease, got got them in, and then 
that that was it. And just self managed it. Self managed, yeah. And that and, and that was kind of the start of it. My ne- the next purchase after that was when And did you so, so you got mortgage, so you put your fifteen percent or no your five percent. Yeah. I know, I know, it was <laughs> unbelievable. It was, yeah. no, it was nothing at the time. Yeah. And then the next one after that we bought for ourselves. And again that was in Deniston, we bought in Golf Hill Drive, one of the oh, tenements right. properties. Yep. Yep. And that was kind of the start. So mm-hmm. we had one by to let and then one um, w- uh, one that we owned that we lived in. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the, the kind of process was play poker, earn money for a deposit. And by then, deposits were going up. So you were needing like, it was like 15 or 20%, so you're not to 25%. Yeah. And saving up, buying a property, doing it up. So the next one I bought was an Ibrox and it was required a refurb. Mm-hmm. Do it up, rent it out and then just kind of rinse and repeat. So I, I aim to do one or two every year. It, was, it more worked out like two, on average about two. Yeah. And then seven years down the line we had a, a portfolio of ours that we had 13 rental properties mm-hmm. they were all done to a nice standard because when we bought them we either renovated them or they were in good condition yeah. and we um, and rented them out and that, that was the kind of process and that's how I ended up growing a, a, mm. a sort of portfolio so you knew, you knew it could work mm. and then you were still playing the poker what, what were you pulling in on an annual basis on the poker Oh, it, it was. It's hard to say, and it's. It, it, it was. It, it did. It varied. It almost varied week, weekly and monthly, but it right. was a lot. It was a lot more than it was in a. A, a trainee a, accountant or, or something yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah, and it, the income was tax free, obviously. Yeah. So just as we, we talked about, so uh-huh. that that was the kind of springboard for what you know allowed me to get on uh-huh. the property ladder because everybody kind of starts somewhere you know so, somebody who's starting a portfolio has to start from somewhere the, the first deposit has to start from somewhere yes. and sometimes they save up for a while like years to get yeah, it sometimes yeah. they inherit money they get a loan from their, their parents or they might have wealth parents that you, you back know. in the day it used to be credit cards just people maxing out in credit cards yeah. and, you know before the crash they didn't ask where the money had yeah. come from. Money laundering was non-existent. So, and again, um, I guess the kind of <clears throat> the traditional le- method of building the buy-to-let portfolio, as as you know, is kind of aim to buy somewhere that needs a bit of work done, or it might be so-called un, un- below market value. Yeah. Then six months down the line, have it revalued and pull your money out, oh, yeah, yeah. and then you've got a deposit for the next place. But I was in the position, which was fortunate enough, not to have to go down that route and continually be more 
highly geared. Yeah. yeah, because I think that's what's going to kill a lot of investors oh, because you're, yeah. you're looking at the, the tax implications now. Yeah. Um, it's now more difficult because of the stress test to actually get mortgages, but the tax is going to kill so many people that if you're on the cusp of, not necessarily if you're a, um, a basic rate taxpayer, but if you're on the cusp between a basic rate taxpayer and a higher rate taxpayer, and you then, because of your rental income, now then go into higher rate taxpayers, mm-hmm. then if you have got, notwithstanding the fact that you've got a decent yield, if you don't have enough wiggle room there, yeah. then potentially you're going to have to rely upon selling properties in order to lower your gearing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are now coming up, having done the interest only, they're getting to the stage, maybe they're five or six years out from the lender saying, well, listen, give us the money that they're thinking, well, James, I should have maybe started to pay some of it off. And that's one of the things that I'm so grateful of having done is that I always took the mortgages on capital and interest. And so in essence, somebody else is paying my pension is the way that I looked at it. And I was in a, a, a lucky position that I didn't need to rely upon the income. And it was just, yeah. that was always going to be the plan moving forward. That was the pension moving forward. So I've been lucky as far as that's concerned. Um, and have you always gone down the route of capital and, and yeah, interest always, and you're just and that, chipping away at it? That, that just like, just like exactly like you described, that was my plan. So all of ours were taken out. I say ours, it's myself and my wife are mm-hmm. joint owners, but all of ours were taken out with capital. Okay, right, for one horrible moment there, I thought that I hadn't pressed record, but I think I have. I just think that we maybe ran out of some data. So listen, we're back with it. Um, I think where we'd reached where we had, you got to a situation where you were making some good money with the poker, you'd flipped a couple of properties, you'd got up to about 13 properties, you were managing them as sales. Some of your pals at the poker saying, listen, can you help us with flips and refurbs? There must have come a point at some stage where we thought, you know what, this is a business and maybe I should start running it as a business. Yeah, that, that, that's, exactly, that's exactly what happened really. It was about the start of 2015 and for whatever reason, the, the online poker boom had kind of fizzled out. Mm-hmm. There, it was nowhere near as lucrative as it was and I, it was nowhere near as lucrative as it was when I first started out. Um, we'd bought, uh, we've now married, got, have one child, right. moved house, and we're in, we're living in, in Giffnock, now in like a, a sort of family house, and mm-hmm. it was just kind of like the prospect of what, what's the next step, because I didn't want to be, you know, a 35 year old dad whose kids are at school, and what's your dad do for a living, oh he's, he's a poker player, I didn't, I didn't want that. <laughs> So, was there a hint of sort of embarrassment that you'd made this money, or was there no, a you know what I don't care I'm the poker playing dad? No, not not embarrassment. Never, I was never embarrassed by it at all because I saw it as a way to give us a start and uh-huh. to, to get a, an opportunity to give us a start and get ourselves on the yeah, ladder. And yeah, absolutely. So nev- never embarrassed. It just some people have different stigmas attached to gambling you know a lot of people yes. automatically assume that 
you're sitting in darkened card rooms uh-huh. with smoky and yep. it's dodgy. Like, yep. You know, but that's it couldn't be further from the truth. It's uh, all regulated. Yes. <laughs> and then there's a fall into alcoholism, then drugs, and then yeah. before you know it, that's it. Absolutely. That's <laughs> the sort of that's the sort of thing when you try to explain to maybe anyone. Uh huh. You know, and that. You know, it's just it wasn't a sustainable lifestyle no. going forward because no, no, some no. of the errors you used to play were antisocial. So it got to the point where I was sitting there and I was thinking, it's like I do have a ready-made business here. I've got yeah. thirteen of my own flats uh-huh. that, uh, along some way, some of them have been redeveloped, like refurbished. Got tenants, tenants have moved in, tenants have moved out. Kind of the systems are in process for that. Over the years, I'd done the same for another friend. He bought three, so I was able. I sourced him three properties, mm-hmm. refurbished them all, got them tenants, got them yields achieving above ten percent. And he's, oh, they, you know, they're just thinking it. this is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So I was managing his as well. Same with another another person did that for two for him. So it got to the stage where I was managing about twenty properties as a, a sort of part-time, as a sort of something that was in the background that wasn't really my main focus. Yeah. And I just thought, you know what? I'm good at it. Uh-huh. I built up a great network of teams through trades, through mortgage advisors, through solicitors, through knowing the estate agents. I was like, this is my next step and th- this is what I should do. So that's when it was in officially started chanteletting in June 2015 and okay. that was it and I started it in my old in my office at home so right. managing the 20 or so properties essentially all I did was put a name to it open up a business account took some advice about starting a business through business gateway and started operating as a business and then the that was that was middle of 2015 and then it just kind of grew um, from referrals from people from doing a good job for somebody yeah for people asking like what do you what do you do for a living the letting agent here here's how I'm different from other agents because mm-hmm. I'm a land I'm a landlord myself I've developed, in the game yeah. yeah I've developed these contacts through the years these like we're experienced in doing everything mm-hmm. um and then on, on the other hand I'd, avoid, I've all, I'd obviously been a tenant in the areas that i've been looking to rent that i'm looking as the sort of target market yes i've been a tenant in these areas and i know what it's like on that end of the fence being a tenant when your agent's not as responsive or as as they should be mm-hmm. i'm not as as fair or not even as welcoming and or as polite as you would want so I was like well that's what I don't want to do and this is what I, I want to do mm-hmm. and I, I had good relationships good professional relationships it's not like me and my tenants over the years were friends or anything like that but it was somebody that I think they would always think we had a nice sort of pleasure I, I completely with. agree there is you do create a relationship I mean the flats that I've got we've got a, a German a German and a Spanish couple um, in Rupert Street and they've been there six years 
and they go you go around to change this or change that yeah. um, and you have a chat with them and, and they know as much about your life as you do about theirs and, and it's a really nice thing that I mean I went round to yeah. I've got another one out in, in Kelvindale and uh, they wanted a lock fitted so I was doing a lock they were away on holiday they wanted one of the rooms secure went round there fitted the lock um, and this is about sort of 8 o'clock at night um, and they asked me if I wanted some dinner. <laughs> I couldn't but I said, no, no, listen, I've already eaten, but they were so insistent yeah. um, that they were wanting to give me some dinner. And I just thought, you know what, that's, that's really, really... But picking tenants or choosing tenants is a skill in itself. And you, as I have, have got the nightmare stories. Um, but there is just something that you know whether or not they're going to be a good one or a, or a bad one. And I suppose you've got to go through... And you've got to have a bit of um, understanding, history, experience in identifying. Yeah. I mean, a reference. So <clears throat> a reference is a reference, and, and if you're smart, you can get any reference is going to be good. It's like a CV. Yeah. Or you ask somebody for a reference for a job, you're not going to ask somebody who's going to give you a bad reference. Absolutely. Um, so how do you spot the good ones from the bad so ones? Bas- basically, every agency does referencing yep. differently there's no set way and there's no you know there's no correct way there's, and there's no right way no wrong way mm-hmm. the, the way that we do it um, and it's kind of like I, I think it's kind of unique to us some might do it similar but we'll do viewings and we'll book in viewings so we'll, we'll do a maximum of five years at the property at a certain time slot and that's it because right. If you do more, it turns into crowd control. One in, one out. Uh-huh. You can't have eyes on the unit. You can't have eyes on everybody in the property at the same time. And yeah. at the end of the day, you're looking. You're in somebody else's property. You're responsible for that. Yeah. So we we want we book a maximum of five people at any time to come and do viewings. Yes. From that, we will ask them to fill out an application form. On that application form, it'll have basic details like name, date of birth, mm-hmm. where do you live in, do you smoke, do you have pets, or who's your employer, what's your salary, yeah. basic details. From that application form we'll take it to the landlord and say, look, we had a viewing tonight at the property, there was five viewers, three of them really liked it and have put in applications, here are those three applications, run down that and from that point we'll say to them, which one would you like to go through with to the referencing stage? Mm-hmm. Because it's a different, it's a different kit. application referencing is completely separate. Yes. They'll select one and then we'll phone up, we'll phone up the two who were unsuccessful and say, sorry, the landlord decided to proceed with the other mm-hmm. applicant and we'll phone up the one who we've decided to proceed with to referencing. Yes. From that, we'll ask them to provide a credit check, we'll ask them to provide proof of income, mm-hmm. proof of current address, Proof of current um, a current landlord's reference if applicable. Yeah. If they're so their first flat, we'll ask them to provide as a, with a character reference because obviously if they're living with mum and dad, that's not a a current landlord reference. No. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we'll ask for that. We'll ask for photographic identification. Yeah. From that, we'll be able to des- decide if on paper they stack up. If on their credit check it comes back with like CCJs worth you know £20,000 or something Mm. like that Yeah. if they've got that level of bad debt then how are 
are they're more susceptible not to pay. Well, the rent's going to be the last thing that gets paid. Exactly. So that's the sort of thing we'd look at, and then we would turn our application down, and we would then phone back the previous the other applicants. two, yeah, yeah. and yeah. say some some agencies do it differently. Like some will literally say, you know, do the viewing first one to to put the deposit Cash in, down gets, gets it, it yeah. then we'll do the referencing back end but for me I don't think that's doing the, the landlord the best service I think that's a sensible way to do it because it gives it it allows you to start creating that relationship with your client the the, the landlord yeah. um, and you've got to have that very strong relationship because ultimately they're the ones who are paying your 8% or 10% yeah. and if you haven't got that relationship then then that could potentially cause a problem. So allowing them to choose the tenant, yeah. um, I suppose, also says, well, we gave you five options and you chose him to yeah. help him <laughs> if it doesn't fit. I know, but the, the thing, a lot of the landlords now say, like, they don't, they don't mind. You know, they just want, they'll just go with our yeah. judgment and yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But it really, I mean, they can choose one applicant and then the referencing could say a different story from what mm-hmm. the applications they put in. Yeah. So yeah. it's complete. It's completely like it's just say you know pick one, and then the referencing will be the ultimate decider. Yes. In that. Uh-huh. So that like that's our mm-hmm. way of doing it. As I say, everybody does it differently. Mm-hmm. But I think the way that, in my opinion, the way that we do it is the way that you're get you're being fairest and you're giving the landlord the best shot of getting the best tenant. Yeah. Um, and it's also fair to the tenants as well because see if a five tenant turn, turn up and the agent says, okay, first come, first serve. Mm-hmm. And one of them's got the cash there for the deposit. It's basically essentially wasting another four, four people time. time. Or yeah, yeah. somebody's in online banking, they say, what's your account? We'll just wire that in right now, and, yes. and, and that's it. You know, it's not you're, It's not fair for the. Always be aware of the person who has the answers for everything. Yeah. Straight away, absolutely. <laughs> you're far too good, so therefore you must be hiding something. <laughs> yes, I think we've all all come across those tenants. Um, so you've now got premises, is that right? You've so, moved yeah, out of the that house. Was, that was yeah. Um, I've had two steps actually since then. So right. basically. In the middle of so it was middle of two thousand fifteen, working from home, and then at the end of two thousand fifteen, I met a local estate agent called Ewan Craner. He's the director and owner of Movie Estate Agents in the South Side. Right, yep. And I just I was chatting away, and he was like, "Oh, he's saying, well, what's your next step for for your business?" I was like, "Well, eventually, I'll be, I'll be looking to get some a premises because." Mm-hmm. Um, obviously it's more professional we're getting bigger <clears throat> and he's like well why don't you come in and, and share you know share an office with us yes so I, I did so he was doing the sales he was doing and sales probably needed and probably somebody to to yeah to do the letters two separate companies yeah. kind of bounce back off each other uh-huh. so I went in at Christmas of and I worked there and we were there I was in all all very well all, all great um, for six months and then upstairs and movie upstairs was an attic space and it was getting used as storage like literally getting used as mm-hmm. storing 
old files and boxes. Yeah. And there was a wee hatch that took you up. And I went up and it was the the space was absolutely massive. Right. And I was like, hmm, there's an opportunity there to develop that into an actual an actual office space. Yeah. So long story short, spoke to the the, the landlord about it. Uh Ewan was quite integral in it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we arranged to get that attic space converted into an office. Okay. So right. now there's a, a spiral staircase in that we're Chantelletton's got the entire top floor uh-huh. and Movio's got the entire downstairs and right. there's a spiral staircase that connects both us up and it's uh-huh. just it's great because it's our own our own space. So that was about the middle of two thousand sixteen that I was able we were able to get in and get that done right and that's it so I that since then I've taken on a property manager Jane and a, a viewing agent we've got Jamie as well mm-hmm. so it's kind of just it's it's us three in the business right and everything's going well and we've grown the portfolio quite well brilliant and what about marketing then? You'd said, and I completely agree with that, the best form of marketing is your sort of testimonial marketing. Um, have you done anything else marketing-wise to, to push the business or I know that you're a, a, a BNI member. Yeah, um, marketing-wise, not, not direct marketing, like not um, leaflets and not uh-huh. signs. Like We've obviously got a shop sign and yeah. we've got... Um, toilette boards and stuff like that uh-huh. um, but not, nothing re- really like that we send out a digital newsletter monthly okay. which I think is, I think it's quite well received people mm-hmm. whenever we send it out we always get good feedback on it and I think people in general are quite interested in their local property market like what is going on in Glasgow so yes. the purpose of the newsletter is not saying come to Chantelette and here's our fees we're great it's adding value it's giving them value yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah and which I think is important from the back of that we've had inquiries and um, sometimes we've done things like just even a sentence at the bottom saying if you need if you need if you need any contractors let us know we've worked up our experience mm-hmm. over ten, you know 10 years yeah and straight away people are come back saying oh just as well you said that because we need a painter and decorator for well, us see, that's, that's the thing that you ultimately where you want to try and get to is you need to be the ultimate connector yes. so that if you have all the connections and people are coming to you so if you're seen as being the ultimate connector exactly. then you are a person of value who is giving assistance to other people and if you're able to assist them human nature just says that those that you help will eventually want to try and help you and obviously that then rings true about the giver's gain and BNI that you know it's all about giving not necessarily receiving because ultimately if you keep giving then it will come full circle for you it's yeah I I view property as extremely long term prospect Mm. and that's right from the start from buying the buy to let buying the buy to lets to developing relationships with landlords to developing relationships with contractors it's the same with tenants have the sort of manager <clears throat> that 
no matter what, every single person gets treated exactly the same. If you're a landlord of a £1,500 a month townhouse in the West End, or if it's a one-bedroom flat mm-hmm. that's £400 a month in Knightswood, our, our standards are the same to that landlord and to that tenant as well. And that's the way that we want... That's the way that we operate mm-hmm. our business. And yeah. it all... In my opinion, it'll all if you keep those standards high, it'll all filter back down the line, and I think that's I, I really I really think that's the way to to go about business. And um, we were just talking about being like ultimately, you were just saying about your goal is to be known as the property expert mm-hmm. for Glasgow. That you know that that would be nice and it's just about putting out that sort of content um, I had one about a month ago a, a property in Deniston we, I own one in the building and I've got a good relationship within the building with all the other owners mm-hmm. and the lady in, in the, the floor below said I'm thinking of selling this property my property do you want to buy it or do you have anybody that would like to buy it? So uh-huh. she's approached me yeah. and I know the yields in the property. I know what they're worth because I've owned that I've owned that flat for five years. Yes. And I was like, absolutely. And we I went up with the landlord and she'd had the home report done, she hadn't had it marketed, and the landlord I we had a chat and the landlord bought the property from her mm-hmm. at home report value yeah. with tenants sitting in. Yeah, and we were able to arrange it so it's all gone seamlessly. Where essentially all it's been is a transfer of ownership to our landlord, yes. and we now take on the management, and that is yes. just by her, by that that particular landlord knowing that we did property well, yes. and you know, and and that that, that was just a it's it's. I mean that's a, that's a great story because ultimately, had you not done properly well, property well, and had not bothered about your tenants and got anybody in, and those tenants had created a fuss, then that person would never have come to you because all they would have you would have been stigmatised as being you're just one of those landlords yeah. or, or, or agents that just doesn't care. But the fact that you've gone over and beyond and done a really good job, that's then meant that work has flowed back to you and that's what it's yeah. all about and is the, doing a job properly the, the the way I got to meet her was from the the, the particular building is self-factored so we all factor it together yeah. and the front door lock was broken and somebody because I'm not an owner occupier because mm-hmm. I, I live obviously elsewhere somewhat one of the people sent out an email saying we need to get this lock fixed mm-hmm. so I took I phoned my locksmith and I had him out change the lock. That the next day No fuss. No fuss. There's a hundred and thirty pounds, two sets of keys to everybody there, yeah. one for the landlords, and I just sent out an email saying, It's done. Here's your portion here's your portion of uh-huh. the cost. It's like fourteen pounds. But per that's, person. All, that's all people want. And that's it. And yeah. it's signed off at the bottom regards Chanteletting, Mark from Chanteletting. It's done. It's dusted. She knows that we can act and move quickly, and yeah, yeah. and and I think that's maybe where it came from. And 
at the time that was obviously it was never my intention then to have somebody buy a flat it was just by keeping good you just, standards you just never know I mean I'm, I'm listening to a podcast at the moment called The One Thing and the guy Jeff Woods who introduces The One Thing um, is he talks about breadcrumbs um, and he says there are so many breadcrumbs out there that so many people don't take action they don't pick up the breadcrumbs because they don't understand where those breadcrumbs could lead to and that's what you've done there. Yeah. You've just done a job, not just out of the goodness of your heart, almost, whilst you're going to get paid for it. You're not making any great money out of it. No, making, no, making no, no money. money. I, paid my, I paid my share of it. Yeah. You know? So, and you can't possibly have even thought that that may lead to something. No. And I think that if you do that and you do something thinking it's going to lead to something, that's not, that's not what it's all about. It's all about being a person of value. Yeah, okay. And ultimately, if you continue to be a person of value, then it will come back to you. There's that sort of serendipity thing that's a bit woo-woo. Um, but it's amazing that if you continue to, to, to pick up the breadcrumbs, it will lead to something. As, as I always say to my kids, I say to them, listen, you need to take your hands out of your pockets and stop looking at the ground because you'll miss opportunities. Yeah. And the amount of times where you've actually, certainly from, from my point of view, I remember back in the days as, as a solicitor, very green, started off, I've um, got a job at, uh, at McDonald's, not the burger place, um, <laughs> as, as everybody used to say. And I was brought in there and they said, listen, we need you to sort out our domestic conveyancing and get some more work on board. We'll give you 20% of anything you bring in, plus your salary. Um, and I just ended up, i tell you how old it was, I, st- I started looking in the yellow pages. You probably don't know Jeez. what the yellow yeah, pages is. <laughs> um, and that's what I did. I just, I just took action, phoned up people, just cold called them. And within six months, I had three or four estate agents and brokers giving me work. Um, and with a year, a year and a half, um, they had to offer me partnership because I was earning so much in commission that that was it was worth their while. In fact, I was the only partner in that place that when they offered me a partnership, I had to take a pay cut <laughs> because I was then went yeah. on to salary partner. And if I hadn't taken that action, picked up those breadcrumbs, taken my hands out of my pockets, and 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 looked up, then I'd probably still be there. Just selling properties and, and just minding my own business, yeah. but that it's just so important to take action and pick up yeah, the breakfast. totally agree. So your goals for the business, I know that you write down your goals and you've got, tell me a little bit about, yeah, that, about I mean, that. Goals, it's really just looking to, looking to the future and where I want, where I see Chanteletting being mm-hmm. in 10 years and I kind of broken it down into right where do I want to be this time next year three years five years and ten years but obviously the further you go down the further it is harder it is to forecast where you want Agreed. to be yeah so yeah I, I, the the one year goal is to keep continuing to, to add to our, our stock and mm-hmm. like the, and have you got a number in mind as to how much yeah, you well, want to to, we, to reach be specific at the moment we at the moment we manage around about hundred and I, I my idea is to, if we can add one per week mm-hmm. for the next year that's that's where we want to be but that's adding that's actually adding to the portfolio because we are finding that 
there's a it's a bit of the leaky bucket where mm-hmm. you're adding but some are falling out as yeah. you go and yeah. that, that is there has been some landlords fall off naturally from wanting to raise finance for a new build purchase mm-hmm. like moving into somewhere of their own some of them are a bit fearful of the tax, tax and getting out of the game yeah so it, it, it's really <clears throat> the goal is to add one per week or 52 mm-hmm. really net for the next 12 months and yep. see where it is and then slowly increase that over the next three years uh-huh. so in in the next in three years time want to be managing 300 properties yes but it's not about numbers it, it it's 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 not I, i've said it's not about numbers it's not like we're not taking on anything it's not about mm-hmm. great here we go here's two from here two from there it's got to be the right fit for us the standards have to be the uh, right standards for Chanteletting it's yeah but the stand it's the standard of landlord it's not the uh, the standard of landlord and the standard of property like we wouldn't say we wouldn't turn down a a rental income that's low we'll turn down a landlord that's not willing to do the required work to the property yep, yep. or who we think may like if, if they're putting up a fuss about putting in hardwire smoke alarms because it's the it's the new legislation but it wasn't like that 18 months ago mm-hmm, well that mm-hmm. is the, it, that is the, the legislation if you're not prepared to do it or you're doing it kicking and screaming then when the washing the washing machine breaks down yep. and you're not fixing you're it for the, the same tenant, arguments you're not for us uh-huh. so it's not about getting good it's not about getting numbers it's about getting the right numbers yeah. the right landlords and uh-huh. I would rather have even though the commission's much less I would rather have a great landlord with a property the the income was five it was five hundred pounds a month than a terrible landlord at twelve hundred pounds mm-hmm. a month mm-hmm. every single day of the week. Yeah. Because that poor landlord reflects poorly on you. Because if your hands are tied, then it looks like if your hands are tied in doing repairs or slow getting back to the tenant, it, it reflects poorly on you even though it may not be your fault. Mm-hmm. Even though you've contacted the landlord to say, look, we need your permission to fix this. There's, there's no heating the property requires a new boiler uh-huh. we need your permission to sign it off and you're not getting back to me the tent's not got any heating it's over Christmas like uh-huh. yeah you were, you were talking about um, scaling there um, and the, the landlord so most important to make sure that you get the, the right landlord absolutely and because if you get the right landlord it then keeps your service levels to where they should be and that and, and that that's a, the bottom line because mm-hmm. in a terms of business with your landlord the standard the default terms of business is we will notify you if of any repairs above a hundred pounds yeah which means that we can go we if the washing machine's broken down we can go in and we can get it done and that's it. So mm-hmm. it's thirty-five pounds for a call, and it's it's fixed. That's but it. for the bigger items like the, the boilers, we would then note we would notify the landlord saying, "Look, the boiler may need re- the we've had a report saying the boiler needs replaced here." Yeah. And 
if they don't do it or if they're slow responding or if they don't have the money to do it, mm-hmm. it it's just it, you're put into a terrible a terrible situation. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, um, and so these are written down these goals. Yeah, yeah. I'll write them down. Okay, good. Because <laughs> um, they do say that if you write down the goals, you're thirty nine percent more oh, likely to, to actually yeah. do them. Um, and so you've got those work goals. Do you have? Um, personal goals, finance goals, business goals. I mean, did you? I'm no, delving a wee bit into more um, sort of productivity and and. Per, no, I don't have anything like I, I don't have anything written down for personal goals or no. financial goals. No, um, I, I guess the financial goals come part and parcel with the with business, the business you know, goals. Yeah. That is kind of forecasting your business development. Yeah. Personally, um just continue to be happy like yeah. we've got two kids we've got a wee girl who's three and a wee boy who's six months now okay. and uh, love playing football play f- football every Saturday right with uh, Fergus McNorth the amateur so you're still playing still playing I'm only yeah. 32 <laughs> and what position do you play? <laughs> play centre half the clunker but, yeah oh I know I, I think if you ever saw me play you would agree with that <laughs> have you got a turn of pace? no Right. I don't think I ever had a turn of pace. Right, so <laughs> right in the middle. Okay. Yeah. Um, and did you play any standard? Or, and I, I know very little about football, but um, definitely amateur football's... Uh, what division play, are you in? Well, we're amateur, so we're, yeah. there's no there's no ranking leagues in amateur. But oh, right. we play, like, there's not like a Premier, a first, a second. Right. But we play in one of the associations in Glasgow that's one of the top ones right. in Scotland. Um, back in the day, this is in my prime. I've got uh, I played for Scotland amateur, so I played. I've got right. I've got seven caps. Wow. So yeah, I played in the. I went away and played in the Euros in the Ooh, Portugal. Good. Wow. So this, so this was when when you were in your twenties. When I was twenty seven. Yeah, twenty seven. Five years ago. Right. And we went. We played Portugal in the opener <laughs> in Braga Stadium in the. Right. Absolutely the, humped. Absolutely. Destroyed us. I don't even get, get close to the ball. Just like the Scotland, it? it was it was like the Scotland national team against the like it was a mirror image of what the two national teams would be like if they were to play. Because Scotland went over to Portugal, and this is a maybe about 10, 15 years ago. And five nil. Five nil. Uh, yeah. Ali McCoy broke his leg. I remember. Right. So yeah. So it just um yeah. Continue enjoy playing football. Uh-huh. I ran the the ten k last week for Father's Day. Oh, right, good. No, didn't do that. No. What, what did you do that in? 4360. That's all right. Anything started with a four is okay. A, co- a conk. So <laughs> what's that? That's about, what, seven and a half minute miles, yeah, is it? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I kind of, when I've been running, it's always been done in kilometres, so I think right. it's, it's on average about four minutes, 20 okay. per kilometre. Yeah, no, that's, that's that good. To. That's good. So that, yeah, so it's really just personal life is just friends, family, uh-huh. kids and football. And then go back to the football because I always like asking these questions of people who've played at a re- relatively um, high standard and, and any names that you've played with or, or I could have been that, I knew so and so. Like, like, not to high, not to high, uh, uh, not even when you were a 14 year old yeah, and, like, and I, there was, one, actually, I, I was I playing remember, in a team with yeah, X. Well, yeah. 
like uh, Chris Boyd knocked me out once playing football. Oh right, uh-huh. and it was a oh, it was Rangers. Yeah, we apparently playing. his thighs are absolutely <laughs> enormous. Somebody was we, telling me. Yeah, we were playing in the school foot, football. Went up for a header and I headered it away, and he went to header the ball, but he head, headed me in the side of the face. Did he? Right. And the, the next thing I remember, I woke Waking up, up and uh, I was in uh, <laughs> I was in the hospital. <laughs> so yeah, but that yeah, that's not exactly a claim uh-huh. to fame. But <laughs> I don't think he'll be doing too many headers. I have to say, no, given his stature, I don't think yeah. heading is maybe one of his <laughs> his no. best points. Um, so where do you see what what are you working on at the moment with Chantaletting? What are you? So we're trying we're develop uh, at the moment we're really busy with new instructions yeah. from landlords. New instructions actually it's a really popular time of year for the new instructions. We've got a lot of <coughs> landlords as well that that are coming on and they're wanting buy to let guidance and they're wanting buy to let advice like you know sort mm-hmm. of first time yeah they know they know my story and i'm able to guide them and say like this is how you develop a, a property mm-hmm. portfolio mm-hmm. and I, i'll always be frank and honest with them because you see a lot of training courses it's like they go out and they say Replace your income within three months. All oh, sceptical uh, of these things. I you need zero money to invest yeah, in property. Yeah, yeah. They may have a technique where that is the case, but what I'll share is how I've done it uh-huh. and what I'll share is the areas that I identify as high growth areas that I think could be the next Deniston. Yes. You know, Deniston. Or Finiston. Or fin- yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Deniston ten years ago, you were you, you know, like it wasn't it wasn't stu- well, studio listen, they, they, they weren't calling it the drives then. <laughs> no, I was astonished back in the day. I put an offer in, uh, and I phoned Countrywide up in the parade, and I said, um, "Finley Drive um, got a property there," and she said, "Ah, yes, that'll be the drives." I said, "The what? <laughs> the bloody drives is Deniston for Christ's yeah. sake." But that's that's the way. Yeah, about I was there. I was there a couple of days ago, and I'm walking down the street, walking past the the new sort of trendy gastro pub, and the advertising board special the day pigeon salad, and you're like, hold on a minute. Oh, pigeon salad in Deniston. This is on, on Duke Street. <laughs> on Duke Street. Ah, <laughs> but it, that's just it's sort of that's the way it's developing and yeah, that's yeah, the way yeah. it's up and coming and it, it is I know we're laughing but it's great for the area Absolutely. and it makes sense because yeah, yeah. it's a mile east of the city centre yes, agreed you know and you're getting a lot of professionals who are getting not a lot for their money mm-hmm. in the city centre in Finiston now where they can get great value and that's kind of been reflective in what's coming up and around there so yeah. I, going back to the original question that's kind of what we're assisting landlords with now it's like a an advisory service and how to get into uh, how to get in to buy to let a sourcing service how to we can actually if they say to us look we're, we've got this amount to spend this is the yield that we're looking for we can go out and we can source yeah. the properties yeah. at that level and it works for some people because some they don't have they don't really know where to start and others it might not work for because they are experienced in their own right mm. 
So I've obviously, my background is very much legal, 20, 25 years as a solicitor domestic conveyancing, now doing the mortgage side of things with, with protection. Um, I've got a huge raft of people that you know I dealt with, whether it be clients, whether it be um, various other professionals within the uh, in the legal and the, the mortgage profession. Is there anything that I can help you with? I mean, you know, introductions to anybody. Have oh. you got anybody that you're thinking? You know what? If I could speak to so and so, then that would be a great a specific- introduction. Have a think about it. I'll come back to it. Do come back to me because I'm keen to. Yeah, thanks. There's no, there's nothing at the top of my head saying I would love an hour, like you know. But there's loads of people that. Yeah. Yeah, have a have a think about it. Um, you were telling me that you're back into the exams. You must have thought then when you were playing poker (laughs) back in the day, the last thing you would want to do is do exams. I suppose similarly when I was doing the legals, once you got your badges on the law. You had to do your CPD, but it was never yeah. a question of doing any exams. And then once I became the mortgage broker, you had to end up doing exams. And I know that having had 20 odd years without doing exams, suddenly to be thrust in saying you have to sit that exam, otherwise you can't do your job, puts a little bit of pressure on you. And it was the, one of the hardest things I've done in a long time was actually focus and sit down to actually study. How have you found, because the Talk to me first of all about the new legislation that's oh, coming in with regards to letting agents. So, as of January 2018, all letting agents in Scotland will be required to be on the letting agent register. Yeah. Um, the, as part of the requirement, there's various other things, but as part of the requirement, you have to pass the exam or you have to pass the assignment, depending on what you go down there's two ways you can do it okay. you can go down Arla where they'll send you in a, a folder with mm-hmm. all the sheets you need to study then you'll go and sit five exams yeah. or the way that I've done it is going through Letwell which is I, I'm a member of the Council of Letting Agents and it's basically five courses over the course of half uh, six months yeah. and as part of those courses you have to hand in three assignments answering the questions and each of them are about 5,000 words mm-hmm. and at the end of that you'll get a Chartered Institute of Housing qualification and that will help that, that's a requirement to get you on this letting agents register right so it's a, it's a lot of it is a, it is a lot of additional work because each of the courses are a full day and I've got another one tomorrow mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. so I've, we've done I've done three courses and handed in two assignments so far one assignment to come, two more courses and one more assignment to come. Um, and it's it's work, but it's interesting. It's your, le- your learning, if you didn't already know the exact standards that you should be upholding in the letting. Yes, yeah, because which is no bad thing. No, and, and essentially, you need zero qualification to be a letting agent at present uh-huh, so uh-huh. you could be a letting agent just as I am with yeah. no lettings qualification yeah, yeah. and that's kind of holding that this is going to hold all agencies to account um, and I, I think it's only going to be a good thing I think it will improve the standards yeah. within the profession I think that some may fall off mm-hmm. um, 
I think the the thing that I hope is that the ones who decide not to go down and get <coughs> registered yeah. do everything that all the other diligent agents are doing. I hope there's some form of way that it's going to be enforceable. So if you are holding yourself out as a letting agent, you have to have these it's not to do with how many flats you've got no if you're holding yourself out as a professional letting agent you have to tick the box and get these exams yes to and to be on the letting agent's register there's a few other requirements you have to show your different types of assurances and yeah um, to get on but you have to be on this register come january 2018 so if if you know Joe Bloggs is managing a property for his friend because mm-hmm. his friend's in America. Yeah. Technically, he's not allowed to do that come January 2018 yeah. because he is acting as a third-party letting, letting agent. And yeah. that, that's regardless of if the flat's up to all the safety standards, mm. specs, the deposit register, everything is okay. Yeah. That's just going to be a requirement now to act as that third party. You need to be on this register. Okay. So you've got a time implication, you've got a cost implication. Um, cost-wise, what, what, what is think, the cost implication? I think all in, we, we don't actually know how much yet it's going to be to be on the register. But an annual fee. An annual where, fee, yeah. yeah. But to do the CLA courses, mm-hmm. I think the total is around about £1,500. Right. I so that's not an inconsequential no. sum of money. Plus your time as well. I mean, how yeah. much time are you devoting? Well, the last two. They do ask you. They, yeah. they ask you how much you spent your last assignment. Uh-huh. So, I, I said doing it was sixteen hours, right. and then okay. one full day at the course. Right. So I guess it's three days. So it's quite a commitment. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you're the principal, who has who has to pass the exams? Is it it, the principal? Anybody who's a decision maker in the business. Right. So, so that's the owner. It's down, it's, I guess it's down to each business to decide mm-hmm. who is a decision maker. For example, if you've got somebody in the office who's answering the phones and booking in viewings, are they a decision maker? I don't think so. No. But if you've got somebody in the office who's um, deciding what maintenance needs booked in or doing the accounts or... Mm-hmm. Like any of the more high level stuff, yeah. are they a decision maker? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think certainly if you're the owner or managing director and you're working in the business day to day, then you have then to you have, have, have that to badge. do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And definitely a good thing from your point of view. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot, there's loads of them. There, all the good, all agents will be going on this, all the good ones. and I think it's something that you'll be saying when you're speaking to people, you'll be putting it on your website, mm-hmm. you'll be putting it on your various different bits of documentation on here's your letting agent's registration number. Yeah. And, and that and that's it. And um if people out there who've got agents who are not on this, then it's something that they should be asking. It's like yeah. who who in the business is in is a on the letting agents register. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. 
Well, listen, it's been great having a, a, a chat. We'll move you towards the exit. But yeah. as you'll be aware, as, as a fan of the show, you'll know that the next thing that I'll be asking you is the 10 quick-fire questions. So oh, no. hopefully you've, you've <laughs> uh, been thinking about the answers to these. So we'll just run through them very quickly. Um, so it's all about first. You'll know that the podcast is all about trying to encourage those who are not on the property ladder to get on the property ladder. So it's all about first. So... Yeah. Um, just don't think about it. Give me the answer. First property you bought? Down the drive. Brilliant. How much did you pay for it? 100. And you still got it? No, sold. Sold it? Yeah. Okay, you make a profit? Sold it for 105. <laughs> you profit. made something out of it. <laughs> yeah. Washed your face, I think they call it. Um, first bus or taxi? Do you take a taxi oh. or, a, or a bus? What would you take? Taxi. Um, first film? That you went to see? Braveheart. Braveheart? Oh, yeah. Showing your age. That's Braveheart? The, that's the one that popped into my head. <laughs> that's the first film you went to see. I don't know. It's just, that's the one that popped in my head. I remember watching Braveheart. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, first foot or stay in? Oh, uh, first foot. Okay, good stuff. First car? Um, Peugeot 307. Excellent. Do you remember what the registration was? SY54UEP. Everybody knows that. <laughs> uh, first job? First job, a pot washer at the Brig of Doon in here. A pot washer? Yeah, well, they call it, the, te- the, the way yeah. they say it now is a kitchen porter. Well, it's uh, it's a, a lot of shite. <laughs> <laughs> and what about, and what did you get paid? Do you remember? 3.50 an hour. Right, well, that wouldn't have been minimum wage, doing hand minimum no, wage that, then. 3.50 an hour. And did you get a share of the tips? No, because we were in the kitchen. That's terrible. I, I worked in a place in Aberdeen. It was called um, Henry J. Beans. And if you were the pot washer or you were behind selling cocktails, everything got pulled. Yeah, that so that's the way be. it should be. Um, first choice or self-catering? First choice. Yep. Um, and first direct or high street banking? Would you rather bank on the high street or online? Oh, online. Online, definitely. Um, if this is about books. First amongst equals or fact, what kind of books do you like to read? Fact or fiction? uh, Fact now, and it's more audible. uh, It's a huge thing, isn't it? Amazon have really, I think, you know, when they bought, I can't remember how long ago they bought it, but they must, I mean, they're smart people, obviously, at Amazon, and they must just think, because people don't have time to sit down and, and read. The last one, that the last, I've got an audible subscription, and the one that I listened to was Arnold Schwarzenegger's oh, life right. story. Okay. That's fascinating. What, what, a yeah, yeah, yeah. what a life he's had. Astonishing. I, although I, I know people can take or leave him now, uh-huh. but it's a very a true American dream. Yeah, he just absolutely. arrived and then he's not, not that he's ever going to become <laughs> president. But having said that, we thought that about Trump. Who bloody <laughs> knows? Um, but that um, subscription model—that's the way that a lot of that is going now. Yeah. I don't. I think that's maybe the only way that you can actually do Audible. I think, or no, can well, you buy them individually? So my subscription is eleven ninety nine, and right. you get one book a month. If you were to go onto Audible and to just buy a book, right. it's like twenty five pounds or something. Oh, is like it that. right? So, and you then get the download, and you can keep that. Yeah. Exactly. Right. But you can't then, your subscription doesn't allow you then to obviously no, you keep could, hold of that. No, no, you keep them. You as long as you've got your subscription running. You, yeah, and that's right. it. Okay, that's good. Um, and then finally, First Blood or Rocky? 
Rocky. You're a Rocky fan. Absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. I even like the new Rocky. What Creed? the new one? No, well, it's not. Not a Creed. No, have you seen the new, the one with Creed? I haven't watched past it's, two. It's that no, no. There's a film called Creed. That All Rocky's right. He's now the trainer. He he's training uh, Apollo Creed's son. So you've got one was the front. Two was the one that was that the rematch with Apollo. Right, and then three was that the Russian one. Ivan, yeah, Ivan Drago. Four. Um, was which was on with Booker B. Baracus was yeah, that Booker T. Baracus, four <laughs> and then five was that the one where he was Tommy, coaching his son yeah or yeah Tommy Gunn Tommy one. Gunn and then six and then was six the, was he came back out of retirement right fight, I don't know it was t- Tony Bellew actually no was it no. okay and then there's this one with Apollo Creed and then there's a new one with right. Apollo Creed's son that he's the trainer and it's good it's good <laughs> Listen, it's been fantastic. We'll try and get this out this week. And uh, yeah, all the best in moving the business forward. Thanks for having me. Cheers. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Other than the few teething problems that we had because the blasted recorder ran out of memory, I think that's probably one of the best ones we've done. What do you think? I'm going to wrap up here. I know I've taken your time for the best part of an hour and 20 minutes. Hope you really enjoyed that. Got another couple of interviews that we're trying to get through. We're hoping we're going to get somebody on from Purple Bricks. So that'll be interesting just to see how they're setting up things in Glasgow. Again, if you want to come on to the show, then please don't hesitate to drop me an email, jonathanwilliams at begleybrown.co.uk or link in with me on LinkedIn. Send me a note, more than happy to do that for you. But let's get you on the show. Traction, it's all about traction with regards to the website and the podcast. Really keen to try and get the numbers up and slowly but surely we're getting there. And the only way that you, me, and everybody else can listen is by you sharing the episode. So if you could give it a like or give it a share and we'll try and get that out. Because you know what? This is your property podcast. It is the Bricks and Mortar podcast. As ever, we're taking a sideways look at property.